For years, Beth, a 55-year-old woman from Baltimore, couldn't shake the nickname her sister and friends gave her. I had a, had a reputation for volunteering to do everything. Uh, you know, because anything like they'd say, hey, we should do this, I'd be, great idea, you know, here, I, here we go. Um, they used to, my, my sister nicknamed me Balloon Hand Beth because my hand would just float up when it was time, you know, somebody needed a volunteer. Three years ago, a rare diagnosis of appendix cancer and the difficult symptoms that followed changed everything. It took my world and turned it on its head, you know. And, uh, and, but I could see it, you know, it's not like it was a, you know, it was like some sort of subtle thing. I was like, wow, you know, I'm not going to be able to do all these things that I used to be able to do. And now I have to ask for help. This is a story about finding strength and perspective in the hardest times. This is a story about returning to the things you love. This is Beth's palliative care story. Before her diagnosis, it wasn't common to find Beth sitting down. I love gardening. I, I worked as a, the director of the Office of Sustainability for the city of Baltimore and, um, and really enjoyed my job you know, improving the environment, you know, um, things of that nature. So I did a lot of tree plantings and, you know, uh, creating urban farms and um, I love breeding. It was a benign tumor in her brain that initially brought Beth to Johns Hopkins Hospital. She was there for brain surgery, but that day, while in the hospital, she suffered a pulmonary embolism, which led doctors to run further tests on her heart and other organs. After many tests over the coming weeks, it was determined that Beth had stage 4 appendix cancer, which means that it had spread to other places of her body, including her liver. Although her initial reaction was shock, Beth says it didn't take long for her to start focusing on maximizing the time she had left. My determination was to uh, extend my life uh, in a, you know, I called it quality, not quantity, that, you know, However long I was being given to live, I'm going to, I'm going to work with it, but I'm not going to uh, poison myself to the point where I just sit around and suffer all the time. Frustrated by the pain, fatigue, and discomfort, Beth wanted more from her doctors. Specifically, she wanted relief from pain, wanted her frustrations to be heard, and wanted a plan in place for how she was going to navigate the difficult weeks and months ahead, which would include two different surgeries and three kinds of chemotherapy. The thing that was, I was suffering from was the cancer had, had moved to a very bad place on my liver. I just, you know, I, I stopped eating. I, I lost an incredible amount of weight. Uh, my, my whole digestive system shut down. And that was after I had this surgery like six months before. That was really hard, you know, hard on my uh, abdominal cavity. At her lowest point, Beth asked doctors for something she had heard about when her own father was ill. She asked for palliative care. I didn't know if they had a program of palliative care at Hopkins, but, but I knew enough to ask. Palliative care is specialized medical care for people facing serious illness. This type of care is focused on providing relief from the symptoms and stress of an illness. 
the goal is to improve quality of life for both the patient and the family. For more on how palliative care specifically helps patients, we turn to Rob Razak, a palliative care physician at Johns Hopkins. One, one of the things we try to do is really hone in on what's really important to them, how their quality of life is, using specific assessment scales to uh, get a sense of you know, their pain, their shortness of breath, their nausea, constipation, their anxiety, you know, are they depressed? Getting a sense of all these symptoms to sort of help them uh, live a better quality of life. Beth's doctors agreed that referring her to palliative care would make a difference. Now, it's important to note that when you get referred to palliative care, you still get to keep all your other doctors and all your specialists. Doctors are trying to keep me alive. They're, they're try, you know, they're doing what they know to do, but they don't always think about all the sort of interacting elements, both emotional and physical. The palliative care team is made up of doctors, nurses, social workers, chaplains, pharmacists, and more. When you sit down for that initial meeting, it's common that the whole palliative care team will join. When Beth sat down for her meeting, she says that she was at rock bottom, both physically and emotionally. In addition to all her other symptoms, the cancer in her liver was creating serious complications. She's had one complication after another, uh, and her quality of life was really affected, and so we were helping her with a lot of her symptoms. I felt like I almost had ceased to exist. You feel really sick when your liver goes down. It was like having a really bad case of the flu, and it doesn't go away. The first thing they did was help me with that, and that allowed me to organize my thoughts around the, the, the details of the medical care. Beth sat down with the palliative care team, and she started to discuss her goals, both short and long-term. And for the first time in so long, she actually started talking about her future. A group of people came in and sat with me, and, and that, was, that was where we got back and got organized around what is my, my goal. I mean, I, I, I didn't have a, a plan, and that confused me. You know, I didn't know what questions to ask. The palliative care team comes in, and they're like, what's going on, you know? And I explain my situation, and, and the palliative care came and fixed that. For a patient like Beth, who has had to deal with multiple surgeries and, as a result, multiple medical specialists, things can get really confusing. I call them my team of angels. And, uh, you know, and, and you reach a point when you have a complicated medical condition, things get confused pretty quick or can, you know, because I've got multiple doctors and surgeons. I have probably, you know, three different types of surgery, uh, you know, major surgery, you know, minor outpatient surgery, you know, all those guys have to talk to each other. And, and the palliative care team really helps organize. With a plan in place and some better organization around her care, it was time to get to work on managing the symptoms. For this, the palliative care team brought in Julie, who's the palliative care pharmacist. The pharmacist on a palliative care team, I would say, is going to be there for a lot of different pieces. Certainly, primarily, we're here for complex medication management. Part of your goal is managing all of these issues along with all of these medicines to see what's the best approach for this person. Julie describes what Beth was dealing with when they first met. So she had had an initial surgery that had removed large portions. So she had part of her colon removed. She had a hysterectomy. She had had her gallbladder removed. So she'd had a lot of issues with her GI system. 
uh, and had just been really struggling between all of the different issues that were associated with that. So she was nauseous and she was having trouble with her bowels and she was having trouble with eating and had seen a lot of different people over the course of several different months to weeks uh, to try and sort all this out and had ended up with a lot of different medicines and was really just struggling with what to do next or because this wasn't working and do I go to a yet another doctor and get yet more medicines and so what, what do we do from here? Now, when it comes to medications, taking different drugs can have their own side effects. The palliative care team takes a detailed look at the medication list, and they try to figure out which medications can be dropped or replaced with the goal of reducing the amount of side effects while still managing the pain. For Beth, this was essential. Things had gotten so confused that I had, I had all these meds. I, I didn't even know what they were for anymore. And I got my own, I call her my own personal pharmacist, Julie. She came and very patiently we went through, I had three bags of drugs that I brought. And we went through all of them and we're like, okay, you don't need this one anymore. You know, you want to save these ones because they have usefulness but sporadic. And then, you know, here's the ones you want to focus on and here's how you use them kind of thing. It was wonderful, you know, and I, I got on my feet. We focused on getting her um, off a lot of medicines that I didn't think she needed. For example, she was having uh, no appetite, but the reason she wasn't eating was because she was having a lot of abdominal crampy pain. Uh, and if she got that under better control, she felt pretty clearly that she would her appetite would come back. She just wasn't eating because she knew that the, that the food would contribute to her pain. And so in an attempt to be helpful, someone had prescribed her an appetite stimulant, but that's not really what she needed at that moment. And the one they provided her with was causing her other side effects. And so things like that. Let's focus on getting this one problem under control that might domino for us and get other things and other symptoms under control for. Using the meds, they were able to counteract some of the symptoms that were causing me the most discomfort. So um, they could give me a drug that was antispasmodic, for example, for my intestines so that I could take that drug and, and not be in so much discomfort every time I ate. And, and not only that, but they, could, they ex could explain to me and did how it worked and why. Dealing with the meds is an ongoing process. It's not as if you change the meds once and you're all set. Now with new surgeries or chemo, or if the cancer spreads further, new problems can emerge. Beth is therefore in constant contact with Julie. When the meds start getting cross-wired, because I'll be put on med A for the liver and then med B for the cancer treatment, Julie's the one that is there to explain things to me and to help me reorganize things. And so then she helps me keep in that steady pace. I'm not drugged up, but I'm not in misery. With the meds under control, the palliative care team was able to help Beth focus on goals. She had big goals, like taking a European trip with her sister, but also small physical goals. We, we decided, like, you know, I wanted to gain this much weight. I had to actually get a pick line and feed myself intravenously for a while because I literally could not eat. You know, like, the food would just go in and go out in 15 minutes. I could eat a tablespoon of food at a time. That was it. And so they got me through all that. I gained the weight that I wanted to gain. Managing pain isn't just about meds. 
Palliative care specialists aim to get what they call a patient's pain story. Rob and Julie describe what this looks like. We get a sense of you know, where their pain is, when does it happen, what triggers it, uh, what makes it better, how does it affect their quality of life. And you know, I think we're quality of life people. And so getting a sense of her values, you know, she's someone who's really spunky and, you know, we want to make sure that we treat her pain without necessarily causing her a lot of drowsiness. So, you know, recognizing the treatment options that we can provide her where she can actually still be who she is and, and meet, her, meet her values and goals. You need a full assessment of each of these symptoms, pain being a very common one, to really understand what's happening. Why are you having this? Uh, certainly you can have pain in one location and it be caused by multiple different things. That might mean you get it targeted or work on it to improve it in multiple different ways. And so just knowing one piece of the story, you're going to miss the opportunity to find uh, the correct approach or at least the one that's most likely to be helpful. And I think that's where well-intentioned folks who perhaps don't go through that story end up piling on extra medicines and, and thinking that these will help when uh, ultimately what they do is just contribute to new symptoms and new side effects that they have to worry about, and then it just complicates things further or what to do in that moment versus it being so out of control that she felt like she needed to come into the hospital. So I think those were the, the signs for us that we were progressing along a good path. Understanding your illness, your treatment plans, and your treatment options is essential. Beth and Julie discuss the importance of open communication. You're in a world... For me, it was a totally new world, a medical world. Even though I could read things like crazy on the Internet, it, it's still, you don't, you know, you don't fully understand it because people go to school for this stuff for years, right? The palliative care team is particularly adept, I think, at, at helping you with the questions that you didn't know you were, you were supposed to ask. Particularly in the cancer realm, which is what I know, their care can be complicated, it can be quite confusing, and there can be a lot of moving pieces. And so having, the, having good communication can make sure that everybody's on track, that the patient knows what they're supposed to be doing at any given moment, what their next regimen is, what their next appointment looks like. And so if you can be there for those pieces, then I think that also opens up your ability to build trust and rapport and a good relationship such that when it comes time to talk about um, what one of my colleagues calls heavy, deep, real things, that you have built this relationship, that you are there for them in other things, and so you're going to be there for them with even these more difficult conversations. Over time, Beth started to feel her old self return. Getting you to a point where I felt well enough to even talk about stuff, and, and then we would move to the goals part, like, you know, all right, here we are, you know, you're feeling better, and um, what, what's the next stage? Where do you want to be? It was now time for bigger goals. I needed to learn how to ask for things, you know, and, and that's where my mind went. So I said to them, my goal is to gain enough weight, get healthy enough um, to make a, a transatlantic trip with my sister and celebrate her 50th birthday. And by gum and by golly, we did it. Signs of positive progress are that she has her own, I think, confidence 
Um, she always has, but I think in terms of how to manage her symptoms and to know what to look for and to know what to do next, I think those are good signs that we provided good education and that we found things that we know work for X symptom or Y symptom that she knows what to do in that scenario to help alleviate that problem. I think there's positive signs that she's been able to do a lot of things, that beach trip being one example, um, but she has always been able to kind of maximize on her time to make sure she's going on trips and she's seeing the folks and she's and she's doing what she wants to do um, with her life and living her life while these while she's going through these treatments. Palliative care also helps people with the emotional side of things. To alleviate stress, Dr. Rob Rizak recommended mindfulness exercises like meditation to help Beth stay focused on those extra hard days. Being able to be present with what the situation was without a bias in, in terms of it. And, and if you haven't been exposed to that kind of, you know, sort of mindfulness, I think it's harder. Today, Beth is still dealing with chemo and side effects, but she feels better prepared and taken care of. I'm happy to be around. Uh, you know, I still have a lot of pain. You know, I'm on maintenance chemo, and it's absolutely no fun. But but it has, you know, the side effects sort of have a beginning and an end, and and I know that in between all that, I have this gap where I'm good and be with my family. Rob and Julie continue to help Beth with goal setting, pain management, and decision making as things continue to evolve. When you have this type of disease, it, things can change quite quickly, you know, and every once in a while they, they reset themselves, if you will, and I end up back in the hospital <laughs> and, uh, and I call for my palliative care team. And it allows me to uh, do the things, say the things that I would have not done because I was balloon hand Beth and running around volunteering for stuff all the time. That's been quite beautiful. As she prepares for whatever's coming next, Beth credits palliative care with how she's doing today. I actually believe that the palliative care extended my life. I, you know, I, I mean, beyond a shadow of a doubt. I don't know that I would be here if, if there wasn't palliative care because Things get out of control, and you need that kind of help to work your way through it. On the good days, Beth feels like she can still be the difference maker she's always been. BC, before cancer, I was I felt very strongly about the environment and 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 communities. So that's what I did, right? That was my that was my job, you know, and I I enjoyed doing it. I ask for help now, though. <laughs> I can't dig to save my life, you know, I, I'm so weak, but um, I have friends that pick up the shovel for me, and and then we plant the seeds, which I can lift seeds, and, and watch it grow. Beth is grateful for the time she's been able to spend with friends and family. She's also happy that palliative care has had her back. One of the very important things about palliative care to me is that it increases your quality of life. It, may, it makes it so that you're comfortable enough that you can organize your thoughts, you can um, be out pain-free and, and actually enjoy that day that's sunny and allows you to, I think, make better decisions about your own care. To find out how palliative care can help you or a loved one, visit getpalliativecare.org.